Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is a crowd podcast. Chris Kamara, midfielder and television icon. 600 career appearances for Swindon, Brentford, Stoke, plus others. Managed Bradford and Stoke, loves to faff things up on Soccer Saturday. Scored a UK top 10 album with his record, Here's to Christmas, and of course, author. But let's see what the book club thought in today's Football Book Club. Cammy's such a loud goofball, he's too loud in my ear. Also, he's had more death threats than a president. And she stood there in a bra and knickers while they go live to Sasakirchich in the studio, and he's like... Why have you got this woman? Oh, yeah. As soon as Series 3 comes up, he goes in with the big shampoo, the big conditioner. Hello and welcome to the new series of Football Book Club, the only book club where instead of literary classics, each week we read another footballer's autobiography. Less Agatha Christie, more Malcolm Christie. I'm James Bug, and over the series we'll be reading classics such as Neil Redfern's There's Only One Neil Redfern, Meza Ozil's Gunning for Greatness, and the complete literary works of Michael Owen. But today, we're reading Chris Kamara's 2011 classic, Mr. Unbelievable, and reading it with me. Please welcome back Jack Bernhardt. Hello! Natasha Daniels. Hello! And James Balgen. Hello! How are we all doing? All good? Wonderful. So what I'm really looking forward to this series is the great thing about all the books we've read so far is we learn all these new things about players we never knew before. Isn't that right, guys? Like, David Seaman used to steal bird eggs. Kevin Phillips <laughs> loves Emmerdale. <laughs> things like that, which we never knew. Uh, but today's mm-hmm. an extra special episode because in an interview last year, Chris Kamara, or Cammy, said, I'm not a reader. I know they always say a person who reads a book lives a thousand lives, but someone like me lives only once. I haven't even bothered <laughs> reading my own autobiography. So today... Not only are we going to learn about the life of Chris Kamara, but also in a football book club first, Chris Kamara is going to learn about the life of Chris Kamara <laughs> as well. <laughs> so, how did, does he, did, would he write it with his eyes closed? What's going on? <laughs> I, how does it work? A lot of questions raised, and hopefully we're going to be able to solve some of them as we go through. But um, Cammy, get excited. Over the show, we're going to go into more depth about the book. We'll be doing a dramatic reading, a quiz at the end, and I'll make Ken is back with another chant about a long-since-retired footballer. Everyone excited for Ken coming back? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm hoping for, like, a sea shanty or something to keep it topical. Oh, yeah. topical. Mm. I, I'll put in a request. I've got I've got Ken's ear. I can, okay. <laughs> I can, I can do that. Well, imagine Ken. He's coming up with all these amazing things. Like, could you make one that's a sea shanty as well? <laughs> yeah. Sure. You thing, do a uh, sea shanty about Dominic Matteo. <laughs> <laughs> um, but first, guys, how does it feel to be back, everyone? How are you all doing? What have you, what have you been doing to bide the time, James? Well, I've been doing. Um, I've been a bit ill this week, but I washed my hair with and used aloe vera as a conditioner. And let me tell you, oh, it's changed I've, my world. I've also <laughs> bought two new, a new shampoo and new conditioner. All right, for, thir- for thirty quid. Uh, because um, thirty pounds. I'm just being very frugal. <laughs> oh, because yeah. as soon as series three comes up, he goes in with the big shampoo, the my... big conditioner. <laughs> my big change uh, since the last series is I changed bank account, <laughs> and my bank sent me a box of wine. Uh, some shampoo. A box which, yeah, of wine. We are getting box so old, aren't we? We are. Getting, <laughs> all of us sound so old right now. Uh, let's see what Amazon's saying about the book. Let's get back to the book. The book has four point six stars from get this five hundred and seventy one reviews. <laughs> what? <laughs> I know. I think Marcus no. Hanneman had like zero reviews. <laughs> this is, 
<laughs> this has got 571. Oh, and what's bloody hell. None of those are cammy. <laughs> yeah, well, he hasn't even read his own reviews. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hasn't even got time for that. Um, including, here we go, here's some of the reviews. Uh, here's a five-star review from uh, Mr. Reed called Funny Dedicated Man. <laughs> Um, Mr. Reed's yeah that's quite that's quite accurate um, the review says I have always liked Mr. Unde- Unbelievable both in his football career and lastly in his TV career his bloops are always funny <laughs> it says bloops it doesn't say bloopers <laughs> please do not change it is nice to watch a natural at work and uh, then for balance please do not De- change your bloops Mr. Kamara <laughs> <laughs> and then for balance uh, Debbie rated it one star with a review it's a present so I've got no answer <laughs> just lumps in a one star review <laughs> So, guys, are you a Mr. Reed or are you a Debs? What do you think of the book, basically, is what I'm asking. <laughs> I'm a Mr. Reed with regards to like him as a person. I think I agree with all that. He's a big... Okay. He's got a lot of charisma. He's a big character, isn't he? Everyone, everyone tends to like Cammy, but You, lo- the, you love his bloops? I love his I bloops. I love his bloops. <laughs> the book I liked. I liked. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I'll say no more. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's very Tash. guarded. Yeah. <laughs> James, this is a podcast about a book. Uh, you're going to have to like, go and the book I like. give okay, nothing see away. Goodbye. Tash, what did you think of the podcast? <laughs> I thought we're starting this series on a high. Oh, that's... Yeah, I quite enjoyed this book. I, I very much felt the same way because uh, it's, you know, there's a lot of dad joke humour in the whole thing, but you yeah. kind of get carried away with it. And after a while, I was I was cracking up. It was much. Yeah, I was going along with yeah. it. I was like reading sentences out to my boyfriend, <laughs> like, "Oh, isn't Cammy funny?" And he was like, "Have you lost the plot, mate? <laughs> 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 oh, you've been inside too That's long. When you know Jesus Christ, for too long. Yeah. <laughs> wow, this Cammy's really funny. <laughs> but t- just for context, Tasha's boyfriend is Phil Thompson, so <laughs> he's he's heard he's heard all of this before on Soccer Saturday. Uh, Jack, what did you think of the book? You loved it? Uh, I'd say I'm predominantly a Mr. Reed with showers of um, whoever that other person was. Showers of Debs. Debs. Showers of Debs. A couple of showers of Debs here and there. That's good. I'd say, yeah, there's a lot of very good stuff in here. Let's get to the book. Uh, It's called Mr. Unbelievable after his catchphrase. Unbelievable Jeff, uh, just in case. It'd be really weird if he didn't know that was his catchphrase. And then, like, like, why is he called? And then he picked it up. Yeah, very strange. But oh boy, does he milk that. There's actually a really great note I've got on page 39, really early on, where he talks about uh, the kind of the genesis of Unbelievable Jeff. And he names some of the great catchphrases with it. Uh, He goes, Bruce Forsyth used to open the generation game with the words, nice to see you, to see you, nice. And Dale Winton was forever saying, bring on the wall during Saturday night favorite Hole in the Wall. <laughs> the two great catchphrases, <laughs> Hole in the Wall and Bruce Forsyth. It- How long did Hole in the Wall run for? I thought About like, like two was, series. Like six yeah. 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 <laughs> That's so odd. Was Cammy was, was, was on, was on uh, Hole in the Wall? He probably he must was. Have been. He must he, have been. Surely. I imagine that as soon as Hole in the Wall started, he was like, this is going to run and run. Let me tell <laughs> yeah. you. He was thinking like <laughs> in ten years' time, if someone records a podcast on my book, <laughs> they're all going to be saying, "Oh God, tragic!" It's just you. Sadly, Derwent is dead since. Anyway, uh, anyway, <laughs> I think he is dead. It's a fact. He died. I was in. Sri- he died when I was in Sri Lanka. Where Where were you when Derwent died? Everyone remembers. So Cammy's catchphrase, "Unbelievable Jeff," is up there with the best. Uh, <laughs> Jack, I say you a special task. How many times does the word unbelievable pop up in the book? Because he says it a lot. I can't believe you made me uh, count every time. I made him go through with his finger and count them one by one. (laughs) First of all, do you want to guess, surely? Yeah, I'll have a guess. So how many pages is this book? 318 pages. I'm going to say 350. (laughs) So you think there's more than one? Yes. one because and... he uses it in like every chapter title he does, he does use know? it a lot Je- well, no, okay so this, this isn't including like the top of the bit where it says unbelievable oh like, then the 318 <laughs> <laughs> exactly one for one james i am gonna go 87 i think i'm thinking more james i'm gonna go i'm gonna go 102 well this is an anticlimax because it's 74 
that was pretty close. Yeah, it I think feels it like a lot more, to be the honest. The thing is, 74 is still so many times to say the word unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, it's an unusual word to use that often. It's a ridiculous... In, in context, he, he says goal three times throughout the whole book. <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> no, of course it's not true. Anyway, fittingly for a book that says unbelievable 74 times in it, it starts off a little bit all over the shop. There's so many things that we haven't had in books before. There's like a lineup at the beginning, which is like a cast list effectively for a book. <laughs> and importantly, there's a foreword by a guy I know that Jack would like to talk about. Who is this man, Jack? <laughs> Jeff Stelling is the man. Uh, <laughs> it's basically like that. I mean, they're, they're like an iconic double act in everything that they do. Jeff and Cammy. Name a more iconic duo than Cammy and Jeff. Debs and Mr. Reed. <laughs> Debs and Mr. Reed. Surely they are the, they're they're the Cammy duo. and uh, Jeff Stelling of our time. What is it about their relationship that fascinates you, Jack? What I find fascinating about their relationship is that Cammy seems to see Jeff as this uh, guru. I'd say like <laughs> stats like genius. Everything he does, uh, he seems to be like he just he can memorize everything he does. Like he every every single stat he'll memorize it because apparently what he'll do is go to uh, a Winchester service station and sit down with um, papers and just memorize every single fact. He's like he's a sponge. This guy he can take everything that's going through his brain. Right, it's incredible. Um, and it's clear that Jeff is definitely getting a producer in his ear telling him all of these facts. Like on Soccer Saturday, isn't it? Am, am I going crazy? Well, I think he's a bit of both. I think he's a bit of both. He, is a, he was hosting Countdown for a while. He must be pretty smart, you know? Yeah, you're saying so, someone got the letters through his ear on Countdown. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the Countdown thing's really interesting as well because he will, like, uh, Cammy seems to be kind. No, I don't want to say. I think Cammy expected when Jeff got Countdown, I think Cammy expected to be going along with him. <laughs> he thought he was going to be Rachel Riley. Absolutely, I completely <laughs> think he thought. As soon as Jeff got the job, he was like, "Brilliant, cool! I'll I'll do uh, I'll do the words." And uh, and Jeff was probably like, oh, "I don't think they're going to let you do that." He's like, "It's fine. I'll do Dictionary Corner. It's fine. Don't worry about it." There was something you flagged where you said that you were saying like how he both like uh, adores him and also makes fun of him a lot of the time in the book. He's got a real love hate relationship with him. It seems. He's he's got a strange love hate relationship. He calls him. Um, so he sees him as his genius, but he also calls him the Smurf in Chief, which I, I don't, I have no idea what that means. I've been thinking about it for a long time. I have no idea. He, he is a clue. <laughs> is he pup? Like pup? There's no one called this. Like Papa Smurf is the closest to the, pup, the Smurf in yeah. Chief, right? The gerontocratic so. society. Yeah, I, I don't think he's been democratically elected as yeah. Smurf no, in Chief. No, but he's, 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 uh, he's, the, he's the wisest and the oldest, so I guess he's And he also says that Jeff um, is, the, oh, it's so so weird he says that jeff is a granny magnet uh, and that <laughs> the grannies are obsessed with him because he's on countdown but also because they think he looks like a garden gnome that they want to put in his windowsill i've never yeah, he's he's processing a lot of stuff here isn't he, <laughs> he, he it's so it's so weird because he's he's both adoring him constantly he's like these this guy is a genius he's incredible and he's also like well he's a big granny magnet smurf isn't he <laughs> he's just a big granny magnet smurf the whole thing is so weird. I, I I know what you mean because the only thing he says about Phil Thompson is that he's got a big nose, but he goes into so much detail about what Jeff's telling is. The thing with Phil Thompson is, sorry, is um, you know, one or two references to his nose being big is is fair game. It's fine. Yeah, it's like within the first ten pages, he probably mentions it about thirty times. It's like, All right, we get it. Like, there's a lot of sort of quite passive aggressive. <laughs> descriptions of people past stuff is like soccer saturday banter it's like all right like, some of this is just a bit mean now let's just rein so, this in a bit and also it's it's really weird because he's like jeff sterling looks like a smurf phil thompson's got a big nose matt letizia wears southampton socks you're like okay well we know who you like but there is there is something fascinating there is something fascinating about um how the soccer saturday thinks that he describes them like they're the rat pack or like they're or like they're, it's like Beatlemania when they go to Japan and stuff and like, for, the world, for the World Cup in 2002 and everyone's following them around and going, Cammy, Cammy! There's absolutely no way that's what happened at all. No. There's just no way. That, can you imagine Jeff Sterling and Chris Kamara running around the streets of Kyoto with fans <laughs> running around? Just, that, that can't be allowed to happen. 
it is it, 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 it is so over the top the whole way they do it and it, it's incredible like the first hundred pages of the book are entirely about soccer saturday it's like I, it really suckered me in this book because it's funny the first hundred pages but it's all like you know it's catchphrases and these these silly things but it is it's just relentless soccer saturday it really is <laughs> you can see who it was aimed for this book at the beginning <laughs> At one point, they just do a transcript of a Soccer Saturday, like uh, yeah, a, a, like a game. Yeah. It's just like a, a thing that you can yeah. find on YouTube, which is Jeff. It's like Jeff Stelling saying, "Oh, and we go over to the Majeski Stadium, we go over to Fratton Park. What's happening, Chris Kamara?" And Chris Kamara just describes what he said. I, I would say that is the laziest part of the book. It is, but it is so far like the way like they're walking around. Like we could get away with anything those days. We were doing whatever we want. The women, oh, men, women, what women? What is it like? Men, what's what they're saying? Like men wanted to be us. Women wanted to be with us. It's well, there's a there's also a, a thing that Chris Kamara says. That Jeff Stelling. Oh God, I can't even. I feel gross talking about this. Jeff Stelling introduces himself to <laughs> members of the opposite sex by saying the name Stelling, Jeff Stelling. <laughs> and the thing I, is, I I have to believe that's not true. I I hundred percent believe no, that's I, no, true. Tash, I 100%. just can't. On behalf of Jeff Stelling, on behalf of women everywhere, I can't believe it's not. It's true. Those those are just that's just the way of the Smurfing Chief. <laughs> just the way. When you're Smurf yeah. and Chief Jeff, you'll know. Oh, no, I love Jeff saying. I think I think he is a, a great host of Soccer Saturday. However, um, I don't think he reads the room very well one bit. Uh, right at the beginning of the book, in the foreword, uh, he's listing all these unbelievable facts about Cammy. He goes like, unbelievable. Eric Cantona was his replacement. <laughs> unbelievable. He played at Wembley for a real football team. No kidding. <laughs> unbelievable. Cammy's had loads of death threats because he's one of the few black players in English football during the 70s. And he was a target for racist organisations such as the National Front. Banter. It really... (laughs) Fundamentally, you have to say, that's unbelievable. (laughs) Everything about that is unbelievable. It's the transition, though. It's the transition from... He's like, basically, it's like, Cammy's such a loud goofball, he's too loud in my ear. Also, he's had more death threats than a president. It's like, whoa. Like... I would like to bring your attention to one of his incidents at Soccer AM, which I don't know if you paid much attention to, but he only dedicates a page to this, but I dedicated about seven hours of my life to it because I went down a real wormhole. (laughs) This is the research we like to hear. Yeah. <laughs> More research than Cammy did. <laughs> Seriously, is because oh, just you wait. Um, he mentions that Sasha Kirchich was getting loads of grief um, for saying that British women were ugly, and they decided <laughs> to um, prove that the women in Barnsley were not actually ugly by getting a glamour model from Barnsley to meet Cammy in a dressing room at Upton Park. I can't for the life of me work out the kind of reason why they did it at Upton Park I assume that's just where he was for the day sure but... why not yeah sure that's that's, <laughs> yeah. that's what life was yeah. like in the 90s <laughs> we invite Sasa Kirchich down to Upton Park <laughs> yeah. yeah but Sasa Kirchich was in the studio okay and they are like trying to give him grief for this yeah. and Sasha Kirchich has no idea what they're talking about <laughs> okay so... now bear in mind in Chris Kamara's book all he says is Sasa Kirchich said this thing. However, when I found the real clip, he said no such thing. And he was completely baffled on Soccer AM because he's like, what on earth are you talking about? And it was a totally different footballer no. called, who was it? Georgie Hristoff, the who actually said Barnsley it. Barnsley winger. Yeah. Master. And they pull him up in front of however many millions of people used to watch Soccer AM and are giving Sasa Kirchich loads for calling British women ugly. Oh my God. Even though he never he said got, it. Like, he never said it and he got like death threats for it and all <laughs> oh sorts. My God. And he never said it. it was this other guy and he obviously just got Eastern European 1.5 million pound players mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, because Sasa Kirchich never even played for Barnsley. So that is really... Yeah. We've all done it. We've all confused yeah. them. Eastern European 1.5 million We've all got players. Sasa Kirchich and Georgie Kristoff confused at one point in our life. Oh, but they did this whole, this whole prank and it wasn't even the guy. It wasn't even him. And this poor woman, April, is some girl from Barnsley who was a soccerette and then got asked to go and be part of this thing and she stood there in a bra and knickers while they go live to Sasa Kirchich in the studio and he's like 
why have you got this woman? <laughs> well, and they're like saying, what do you think of her, Saturn? Not so bad, are they? Yeah. No. Like, they're not so bad after all. What, what are you talking? Why are you bringing this to me? The book, uh, after all these kind of uh, kind of lighthearted stories, uh, takes a, a genuine pivot after 100 pages. And it gets really enlightening on issues uh, like racism. And he's actually, he's really amazing when he talks about it. Like, doesn't use the book just to talk about these kind of things. He talks about loads of other things. But when he does talk about this, he goes into great depth about it. And there's some amazing bits. Like a genuinely, I'm going to use the word unbelievable here. <laughs> but there is a genuinely unbelievable bit where someone who wrote him a death threat in the 80s like comes up to him in like 2002 or something and was like, I wrote that death threat. Sorry. I I found that whole section really interesting. Didn't you guys? He put up with a lot. When he talks about racism, really quite enlightened. Other things slightly less enlightened on. One thing, Stan Bowles is gambling. Chris kind of bankrolls him a few times. Like he gives him some money and then uh, Stan will lose it on the horses or whatever. But then one time, um, Chris Kamara's kind of talking about the importance of money and stuff like that and not wasting it. He's like, well, when I go gambling, it's just a bit of fun and it doesn't matter too much. Stan Bowles convinces Chris Kamara so that he can't lend him any more money. Go spend all your money right now so you can't lend me any more money. And Chris Kamara kind of goes along with this, which doesn't make any sense because just spending your money is no better than gambling it away in a second. (laughs) And what Chris Kamara goes is, I really like a rocking chair. So he just goes and buys a rocking chair and sits on a rocking chair watching Stan Bowles as he gambles. I don't see who that's teaching a lesson to. I'm going to be honest. I read this and then I think I went to sleep and then I'm pretty sure I thought I dreamt it. Is yeah. It's some so kind bizarre. of like David Lynch-esque scene. Yeah. Where someone's in a rocking chair just watching someone gambling, just slowly rocking. Like, what are you talking Imagine- about? I've always fancied owning a rocking chair. What are you talking about? What, ca- 30 at this point. what casino has like a rocking chair shop next to it? <laughs> it's like, okay. Are they, are they like, are they gambling at three in the afternoon? So the rocking chair place is open or is this a 24 hour rocking chair shop? <laughs> Like in my head, this is like midnight. Yeah, no, like, like oh, casinos, yeah, casinos do everything they can to keep you in their right. So they've got the no clocks, the no windows. They've got rocking everything you could want. <laughs> An- antique store, <laughs> yeah. just any niche interest to keep you in there. <laughs> I just want to talk to you guys about footballers' digs as a general thing because they, they it pops up quite a lot in a lot of the books that we read. Footballers' digs. I, I'm guessing it's not so much a thing nowadays, but in a lot of the books that we've read you know, in the past, in the sort of young football in the 70s, 80s and 90s, they stay with families who I don't understand what the, like, what is the context? Like, do they get paid for it? Like, what? Yeah, they pay board, don't they? A few of them have mentioned paying board. So I'm guessing it's like fostering a 21-year-old. <laughs> so is it like young footballers who obviously they've they've signed for someone and they're sort of 16, 17, they're too young to live alone and people just sort of they're there to support them, feed them? Because a lot of a lot of the stories we read is just young kids kicking off about the food not being very nice, like pasta and well, you're talking about Darren Huckabee, basically. Yeah. Darren Huckabee had a choice, though, of living with her or... Um, sorry, Darren Huckabee had a choice of living with those people or with Kevin Keegan, it seems like, in his book. <laughs> go, ba- go back and listen to that episode. That's the choice. That's the alternative Well, also, in this, Cammy's uh, wife, or maybe it was a go- his girlfriend at the time, had to sort of say, look, the food's terrible. Can you change the food? Like- so is this referring to Cammy when uh, he was a player? This is when he was a player and he was looking after younger players, right? Well, he was in digs at one point. Yeah, yeah just, but I think it's I, just a general point on digs uh, in general in football. Uh, I, I don't fully understand it. Yeah, I don't quite. I, I, to be honest, I don't quite get how they work, where you list and stuff. I guess the clubs probably have some kind of information on them. If anyone knows, get in touch with us and tell us. If if you ever hosted a footballer, they're always like lovely old ladies, aren't they? Yeah, but Tash is right. It's like fostering footballers. Yeah, for like people who wanted their children to be footballers and they weren't, and then <laughs> like. Has- has, has anyone got any space in their house? <laughs> yeah, I can do it. Jack, yeah, why not? Will oh, you take gosh. Jack? You live in um, North London. If, would you take in a Barnet or a Spurs? Or well, you might not take. I'd take it. I'd take in a Barnet player. I wouldn't take in a Spurs player. <laughs> yeah. Even though it's, it's, I, I can see that coming. <laughs> 
Guys, I'm going to move us on to this week's Out of Context, Chris Kamara. So at this point in the show every week, uh, we all, uh, well, we, we bring our favourite sentence from the book, Out of Context. But whatever you do, don't tell us what's going on around it. <laughs> I've got uh, I've, I've got mine here. Uh, guys, if you don't mind me going first. My sure. Out of Context, Chris Kamara, is uh, modern coaches would have had me sucking on a slice of kiwi fruit and a bowl of nuts, given the chance. But this was Swindon. <laughs> That's my, that's, that's, that's my one. Anyone else got one? James? Dion Dublin played a mean saxophone. <laughs> that might come in handy later in the in the quiz, by the way. Just remember, oh, remember no. what James said. Remember what James said. Okay, I've got one. I took an unusual business decision and opened an office so that at least for once I could get a six-pack. But oh. a bunch... <laughs> That is a classic example of Chris Kamara's jokes. <laughs> and also, it brings us to one of the weirdest bits of the book, when Chris Kamara just like, buys an off-license. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just works there during the yeah. day. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's Again, I feel like this is another bit where I fell asleep later and was like, was that a dream? Did I dream that? Because that, so, that is so odd. Why would you buy an off Chris Kamara behind the uh, till on a rocking chair. <laughs> <laughs> What is going on here? Yep, Jack, what's your out of context? So I know for sure that she had devoured the raw pizza to the last crumb. (laughs) (laughs) I can't remember that. And that was out of context. Good, because you're never going to find out what it was. That's the rule of out of context, Chris Kamara. I'm going to have to read it again. And there'll be plenty more Chris Kamara chat when we come back after these ads. Hello. Um... Hello there. What voice do you want me to do? We'll do a little bit. I'll just do my voice. Do your voice. Yeah, thanks. Hello, I'm Joe Marler. People think I hate people, but I don't. (laughs) I actually love interaction with people. I love finding out what jobs they do and whether I could do what they do. The Joe Marler Show. Joe Marler Show. With new episodes every Wednesday. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back to Football Book Club. Tash, you've got a burning issue with Cammy, haven't you? Yes. So this is a man who likes to include his name in absolutely everything that he possibly can. Absolutely. So I've christened these Camantos. <laughs> Camel you toes. like it? <laughs> <laughs> you always have to bring vaginas up somehow. You do that every, every single episode. Every episode. Let me enunciate better. Camantos. Okay. It's a portmanteau better. of portmanteau and cami. 
And oh, wow. you did a portmanteau <laughs> with portmanteau in it. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> but like inception. <laughs> <laughs> Camception. Um, but I, just, I just felt like the whole book is a little bit David Brent, isn't it? But like him including his names and things and then insisting that everyone else use it is just a re- I loved it so much. So yes. he says that people still call it a Kamara cam on the call sheet, even when it's not him. And people yeah. bring him up and say, you're at the pitch today. And he's like, no, I'm not. I'm at home or I'm in the office or whatever. I'm running the office. Kamioki, obviously. Yeah. And then he calls his kids the Kamets. <laughs> oh, yeah, he does. Like... I like that. I like that. <laughs> Do you? Does I like the Kamets. It... Tash, did you, did you notice that at the start of the book, he actually uses another little pun with his name, but to me, he gets it, he gets it wrong. So he says his private plane would be called Air Kami, which is just completely missing a trick there for me. It would be called, yeah. it would be called Camera, surely, or Camare. Like <laughs> it would, it wouldn't be called Air Cami. Jack, do you want to step in here and say no, this? No, you, no, you guys clearly have it. Yeah, like, yeah, whatever it is, whatever it is you're doing, Camera. That's the one, right? Camera. Uh, but talking to Kamioki, guys, who wants this week's dramatic reading? More than anything else in the world. <laughs> So basically, as uh, any as listeners of the show will know, every week we take a segment of the book and we put it to dramatic music. Uh, so can somebody cue the dramatic music, please? Cue dramatic music. Yes. Ooh. Cue camatic music. Yes, Jack. <laughs> uh, Tash, where were you there? Where were you there, Tash? You missed that. <laughs> okay, uh, this story is called... <laughs> Let it go, James. Let it go. Just get, get back to your rocking chair. <laughs> This story is called uh, Chris Kamara Gets Sacked Because of Jazz. Uh, (laughs) At the end of my first full season at Valley Parade, a party at the Kamara household was arranged to celebrate staying in the first division. It was typically chaotic. It was supposed to have been a way to let off steam, to let the hair down after a tough year. It had been a traumatic first season in the first division. Everyone had worked so hard to keep us in it, so it made sense to invite the players, Jeffrey and his wife and most of the club staff. Jeffrey is the the chairman of Bradford. The chairman, yeah, Jeffrey Richmond. Jeffrey Richmond, that's it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we invite, and they've already got a bit of a troubled relationship already up at this point. Yeah. Ooh, getting excited. We invited 60 to 70 guests around. We had caterers, booze coming out of every room in the house. And, and, and just, that's excessive. Every room in the house. Uh, unhygienic as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just sloshing about. After a few, brackets, dozen beers. <laughs> I, very fun. Uh, I even took the dis- <laughs> al- alcoholism. After a few dozen beers, I even took the microphone for a sing-along with the band. Wrong decision. This time, I didn't run through my usual routine, which, uh, if you're wondering what his usual routine is, brown-eyed girl, your song, Born to be Wild. Instead, I decided to make up my own words as I sang along to a jazz number, and my off-the-cuff lyrics took the mickey out of his chairman. I remember the words to the tune of George Gershwin's Summertime. It went something like this. I won't sing it. But, um, nope, you've got to sing it. Dramatic I don't think singing. Dramatic think... singing. <laughs> we'll get. We'll wait for. The, we'll wait for Ken Song for the singing. Don't worry. Uh, summer. So I almost did sing it. It went something like this: Summertime. Working for Jeffrey ain't easy. That kind of works up to that point. Summer, summertime. Don't try and trick me into singing. Ah, you did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that bit kind of fits. But then he goes. Then the next line he sang was: He wants to pick the team and sign the players as well. But until that morning when he comes and sacks me, all I can say is, Jeffrey, please don't pry. I don't get how that fits in at all. A lot of work. It's jazz. It doesn't make sense. It's jazz. George Gershwin is spinning in his grave. I warbled on like a prize idiot, believing that this was a big laugh. I was so engrossed that I failed to notice my guests flinching uncomfortably, which is a common theme throughout the book. Or Anne glaring at me from behind the shrubs. Why is she hiding what? behind a hedge? <laughs> She's like, oh God, Cammy's Cammy's getting on the mic. Oh God, I gotta get into the shrub again. Least of all was I aware of Jeffrey with a grin and fixing his face, appearing to the assembled guest to be the perfect good sport. Looking back, it wasn't the shrewdest move. I was struggling to get the words out through my own laughter, and I presumed that he was laughing as well. He may well have been at the time, but apparently inside he was hurting. <laughs> I don't get what he's done that bad. Surely what he said cannot be that offensive. <laughs> I I think I don't. I, Jeffrey Richmond seems like a bit of a a prize, uh, like takes... a, a bit sensitive. Yes, and the I... idea also of oh god, there's just the mental image of Cammy laughing really hard while singing, and everyone else being completely silent. Just oh, it just makes my my skin crawl. <sighs> I agree. Where did I read though that Cammy's version of Brown Eyed Girl was better than Van Morrison's? In this book, I read that in, recently. In the book. <laughs> it's in the book. <laughs> he says it himself. He literally says that. He stands by it. 
<laughs> uh, to be honest, I've lost this story. Much like um, uh, his, Im- his improving George Gershwin lyrics. I've, I've kind of, I'm struggling to, to keep up with this. Uh, my friend Alan Ross said the Bradford chairman had a smile on his face when I first started. As the words echoed around the room and the rest of our guests stood around laughing, the smile became increasingly strained. He was squirming by the end of it. Rossi, who couldn't take his eyes off the chairman, was squirming with him as no doubt were many of the guests that night. The 1997-98 season hadn't even started, but I was well and truly done for. Oh, great. That was the dramatic reading. Yeah. Sorry, the comatic reading. Talking of songs, uh, who wants to hear Ken's song this week? Yes, yes. More than anything else in the world. <laughs> you can't say that for every segment, Jack. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> just... um, Has he rewritten Brown Eyed Girl? Uh, no, oh. sadly. How, uh... do you, how quick do you guys think Ken works? He just work... <laughs> On the yeah. back of you saying, oh, funnily enough. Like Ken, yeah. we want a sea shanty that sounds like Brown Eyed Girl. <laughs> Michael Brown Eyed Girl? <laughs> that yeah, it works. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Ken, uh, he's written some great songs in the past. Basically what he does is he goes and finds old footballers and get them, gets their names to fit into chants uh, about different songs. What's he done? He's done, Senor- he's done a, I love it when you call me Libra Elita to the tune of Senorita. He did um, uh, Stern John to the tune of Thong song. He's done, he's done, he's done a lot of stuff. <laughs> some good, some less good. Um, but this week he's got a song uh, to the tune of a Ricky Martin classic. And it's not She Bangs. Oh. So, <laughs> you can probably so it's guess the other which one. one it is. It's the other one. <laughs> <laughs> Who's ready? I'm not going to sing it again, but here we go. What? Turns you inside out. Just give it to Rio Coca. His goals will bring you down. Give it to Rio Coca. His tricks will leave you dead and his pace will run you over. He will wear you out. Just give it to Rio Coca. Come on. Come on. Give it to Rio Coca. Come on. Give it to Rio Coca. Yeah. Ah, come on, come on, come on, come on. Yeah. He's brilliant. He's back. He's definitely back. That was That's the best one. That's a strong one. return. That is okay. great. So strong. I'll give you a little bit of context on that. Ken also sent me uh, two lines to work into the song, which I had to cut because uh, they were, he'll make you take your kit off and go training in the rain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that's so good. <laughs> but Ken is back. More of those, please. It's time for Peter Reed Watch. Peter Reed Watch. Yes. My favourite thing. Jack, does Peter Reed pop up in Chris Kamara's autobiography? Peter Reed does pop up in Chris Kamara's autobiography. Not once, not twice, but five times. What? Five times. Like twice. I thought it was like twice. No, five five times. times. We see him first. He is laughing at uh, Chris Kamara um, on Soccer AM when the Stoke players are firing balls at uh, Chris Kamara's butt. Remember that? (laughs) Vaguely. Okay, that happened. He was uh, he was starting out as an assistant manager for um, Tony Pulis at Stoke, apparently, uh, and it was his first day. And he was like, "Wow, this happens every day. You get your ass handed to you." Then, time number two, Peter Reed was on uh, Goals on Sunday, a program which I think Chris Kamara thinks I care a lot about, much more than I actually do, because he spends a long time talking about Soccer Saturday. Uh, he apparently once had to tell Peter Reed off uh, for using the word bollocking. <laughs> Um, wow. Did you have a direct yeah. cut of this book? Because I don't remember any of these stories. Tie number three, uh, he scored against a Bolton team that featured several handy players, including Sam Allardyce and Peter Reed, the nice. future England international. Tie number four, he's talking about when Chris Waddle, who played for him at Bradford, uh, moved to Sunderland. He was snapped up by Sunderland boss Peter Reed for a fee of 100,000. And finally, time number five, he is advised by Peter Reed to keep on one of the assistant coaches at Stoke, which is something he didn't do, and he later come to regret. There, there, there we go. That was the most complete Peter Reed watch. Yeah, we we have reached <laughs> Peter Reed saturation. Well, not only is the book revolutionary in that way, um, I found the book was the most high tech book we've had yet. Um, uh, did anyone else? Anyone no. else notice this? It's the most high tech book we had yet. Page one hundred and eighty-five. He talked about an, a, a horror tackle with Frank McAvenny. The incident has become something of a myth as the years have gone by. And if you don't believe me, there's a clip of the incident on the YouTube website, <laughs> and then brackets <laughs> www.youtube.com. The YouTube website. The um, YouTube website. And uh, you can make your own mind up on this. And I assumed that's where it would end. And then he went, just type in Kamara underscore McAvenny dot AVI and you'll see what I'm talking about. (laughs) That 
that is one of the greatest books of any any uh, of any book we've read. Genuinely, I, I, I agree so hard at that. I took a picture of that and sent it to about eight people immediately. <laughs> it's revolutionary. We've never had a website in a book yet. Do you know what's really sad though? Do you know what's really what? sad? I did it and it doesn't work. Oh! Did you do Mine works. But if you just <laughs> but if you just type in Kamara, I can get it to it work. Works. Without that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so then it works. He's literally typing in the name of the file, which he probably uploaded, and that's why. I The one I found had, like, one comment on it, and it was and it was just some bloke winding up his mate saying, like, my mate shags popcorn. <laughs> that's the only thing that said on my one. So I've learned nothing about the tackle, uh, but I do think the book should be put in the Hall of Fame for that, because that is revolutionary. We haven't had a link that, in a book yet. That is so true. good. That's true. Jack, there was something, a common theme in the book that you wanted to talk about, I know, regarding uh, people who come onto the pitch at a certain point. Uh, yes. Uh, he he has a real thing about mascots. He is so odd about this because he's talking, this comes up when he is, um, he's talking about his terrible time that he had with Jeffrey Richmond at Bradford when he becomes a uh, manager and, you know, Jeffrey starts picking the team and it's terrible. And he starts off this chapter by saying, there are two people you should never work with. They are a chairman and mascots. And like he, he will for the rest of the chapter go on about how, you know, how bad it is to work with a terrible chairman, but he does like a, a quick little summary of how terrible mascots are. He says, club mascots, Gunnosaurus, Chirpy the Cockerel, all of them have always been a royal pain in the bum to, to live broadcasters. They just don't see it, do they? It's okay walking around like that to be cheered at on your own ground by your own fans. But do they really think anyone at home finds the weird cross-dressers the slightest <laughs> bit funny when they get in the way of us lot trying to do our jobs? Does he call them cross-dressers? He says yeah. they're weird cross-dressers. Yeah. Where has this come from? Like, <laughs> Does Chris Kamara know what a mascot is? <laughs> For a guy who pokes fun at himself so much throughout the book, he does like have no sense of humour with mascots at all. It's very unusual. He really doesn't. And also, from my point of view as an Arsenal fan, Gunnosaurus was the best bit of going to an Arsenal match. Like, <laughs> that, that says that a says lot about Arsenal. Arsenal. That says yeah. he, he, gets, he hates mascots. And like essentially, they are big things that well from what he says is they're they're sort of big idiots who get in the way and that's literally his job like that's literally what he does he just goes around going in dressing rooms getting in the way getting in people's views just being annoying maybe they're just cramping in style like that is his thing isn't it literally so in in the book he kind of goes into very depth about his playing career then his managerial career and uh it was all it was all pretty interesting towards the end this is also after there's some mad bit at the end where he's like offered the job as press secretary at harrods and i just i couldn't understand what was going on with the book at that point and and his wife is like you're you're kidding and then cammy gets really upset and then and then a mascot ends up getting the job (laughs) yeah He's like, fuck's sake. Gonosaurus answering questions on Harrods. <laughs> it is a ridiculous idea, though. Chris Kamara as press secretary for Harrods. It's, like, I, I, I'm, with, I'm with his wife. Like, it, it doesn't oh, make sure. any sense. And I'm sure that can't have been the offer. But uh, I thought, towards the, towards the end of the book, after that, uh, I think it has my favorite. Th- I think it has my favorite thing in the whole book on the last two pages. Chris Kamara thinks that uh, Michelle Platini reads Nuts, <laughs> Nuts magazine. Uh, <laughs> he says, I don't um, remember this. He bumps into Michelle Platini um, somewhere, and he realizes realizes that Michelle Platini isn't very nice to him. I got a real shock, and Platini said he knew who I was. But his tone suggested my outburst on goals on Sunday in the Sun newspaper and Nuts magazine about the failings I perceived in the rules and running of European football did not make him a huge fan. I love the idea that he thinks Michelle Platini sat in WH Smith flicking through all the little <laughs> things in there. Like, and goes, you seen this? <laughs> <laughs> Michelle Platini's got better things in his life to do than read Nuts magazine. Yeah. Chris. Oh, definitely. I do wonder where he knows him from. Though. He probably typed in um, McAvinny <laughs> underscore Kamara. You're, dot- you're the guy from McAvinny underscore Kamara dot ABI. <laughs> Well, my mate fucked popcorn. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, on that note, did this book change you? I want to hear a rating out of 10, please. So previous winners of the series um, have been Jason McAteer, Grant Holt. They all got something like 8.5. So pretty high standards. Um, Jack, what do you think of the book? I think it's a lot of fun. I don't think it's a particularly good book, if that makes sense. Like, there are... Structurally, it is all over the place, as we've discussed. This idea that, you know, he... The first, like half is about uh being a, a, a 
a pundit on uh, Sky Sports News and all the ridiculousness that he gets up to. And the second half of the book feels like a weird addendum to that. I don't think it quite knows who its audience is. And it tries to deal with quite a lot of serious issues and then will undermine them constantly. I think, I don't know, it just it doesn't quite, doesn't quite fit right to me, if that makes sense. I, I thought this book was like a classic yeah, stocking me too. Killer. That's what I assumed it would be from the outset. I thought it was a tie-in soccer Saturday. And that's what I quite like. That first hundred pages, it's exactly what I thought it would be. Just like his greatest gaffes, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but, but then I, it really I, changes I, and it surprises you. So maybe it's just his way of, he never, maybe he thought he'd never get an autobiography otherwise. So that's his way of getting us into it. And I actually, Or he thinks that if it's given as a stocking filler, no one's going to make it that far. Yeah, I genuinely think it's right. that, honestly. Yeah, that, that's that's true. The and thing is, is that is that there is a more interesting way to do, like Chris Kamara's had a really weird career. And yep. like yeah. he's had a very interesting career in many ways, but by partitioning it up like that, like it it doesn't really it doesn't really work. They feel like two fundamentally different. I feel people. like the publisher has gone. You need to hook them in early, so put all the jokes about tits and soccer am at the beginning, <laughs> and then we'll put all the serious stuff at the end. I think they flipped that, it. That marriage of those two people never really like works. It never really like comes Just, together yeah. in a satisfying way. Do you think that would have happened had Chris Kamara read the book himself? <laughs> Do you think oh, that yeah. might have happened? Because we still haven't really gone to the bottom of that. Who did? He might not know that what it's that book. <laughs> He yeah. might think <laughs> he might have started being this like you know it's it's a really like a story about rags to riches like came up through the world and then it turns out it's yeah. just fifty pages of him you know a transcript of his time at Fratton Park like talking about seven <laughs> four against uh, Reading versus Portsmouth. Matt James, uh, did the book change you? Did you enjoy it? I did enjoy it. I I, I actually I really liked how it began because that's how I know Cammy. And then, and you know, it's sort of dad jokes. Some of them are funny. Some of them are just, you know, it's, it's his personality though. So it's like, I quite like that. But then it just sort of became like a lot of the other books we'd read, just a list of fixes and transfers, which was a little bit more disappointing. I didn't think I, it was I, I felt it got towards that. Just, it's sort of the middle section was just a bit, it, it was a slog. Also, I, this is the first time we've read a book from someone who's from Teesside and that's where I'm from. So I was like, oh, this will be interesting. I'm going to hear about all the places that I know. And he didn't really, I mean, Granted, he did say that his childhood was miserable, and that's why. But I mean, at least mention the transporter bridge. Like, give me something. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I did enjoy it, though. I did enjoy it. It, was, it, was good. it sounds like you're trying like, to talk I yourself mean... out of it. All the way that. I, I generally really did enjoy it. I thought, I thought it was a, it was a really good fun book to start the series. I'm looking forward to reading more, and that's why I'm going to give it an eight. I think, James, what are you giving it out of ten? I'm going to go seven. Okay, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Jack, six. Okay, See, I was going to go six. Nah, it's too mean. You always tell me off for being negative. All right, I'm sticking by seven. Okay, uh, Tash? I'm going to give him a nine. Wow! There we go. I thought it was good. I thought it was a good book. (laughs) I agree. Wait, does that give him 36? That can't be right, can it? Uh, No, 30. It gives him 30. (laughs) Seven and a half overall. That's pretty good. I think we should be pretty happy with that. You know, well, not that he cares. So for the quiz, guys, this week, you're all named after people on Chris Kamara's cast list at the top of the book. Uh, Jack, you're Harry Redknapp, top, top bloke. Tash, you have to say that in full, by the way. Tash, you're Neil Warnock, loose cannon. And James, you're Stephen Bywater, potty I knew it. As soon as I knew this is what the thing was, I was like, yep, that's what it'll be. <laughs> yep, stick into the tried and trusted. I also, like, I also like what he called referees, We just went, no all. Yeah. It's like, they just... Just bloody know all mascots just, worse they, than scum. They're, they're these weird experts who seem to know the rules. Bizarre. Question number one: What was Cammy's job before he was discovered by Portsmouth? Uh, shout oh, out your name in the answer. Potty mouth. Harry but Harry Redknapp was in the first. What's the answer? Harry Redknapp. He was in the Blooming Navy. Is correct. Uh, what point one to Bernhardt? Um, yes. Question no, number two. To, to Harry Redknapp, top top bloke. Sorry, Harry Redknapp, top top bloke. Uh, question Thank number you. two. Um, Cammy sang on a charity album called A League of Their Own with a band of footballers. Please name any of the three players and the instrument they played. Oh, Shout your name, you know what? God. I literally <laughs> listened to this this morning. Wait, um, we gave <laughs> a clue God. earlier. We gave a clue Harry, earlier. Harry, Harry Redknapp, top Neil top bloke. Uh, Harry Redknapp's in there first. <laughs> Why, it's Dion Dublin saxophone. Dion Dublin saxophone is one. You, Anyone else? Yeah. Anyone else mentioned it? Someone played the drums and I can't remember who it was. No, nope. mm. that's true. It was a drummer. Any idea? It's a drummer and a pianist. I know someone else who was on the album. Can I get half a point for that? Who was it? Gabby Roslin. No. She was on it, but you're not getting half a point. <laughs> <laughs> nah. No, I do you... remember that, but no. I'll, 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 yeah. 
I'll give Tash a half point for that. Um, now, the other two people were Frank Sinclair on the drums and Matt Janssen on the piano. Ooh, Matt, yeah. Oh, who God, knew? I remember thinking yeah. it was Matt Janssen. Oh, very yeah. strange. Uh, question number three. Who, uh, so Cammy goes to visit LA at some point in the book. Uh, answer me this. Who does Vinnie Jones live next to in Hollywood? Stephen Bywater, Black Mouth. Yep, who is it? Quentin Tarantino. Is oh correct. God, yeah, he lives next yeah. door to Quentin And they don't even mention him on the tour. They go, this is uh, yeah. Vinnie Jones's house. Anyway, yeah. next house. Just sit <laughs> Moving along. So odd. This big foot-shaped house. Uh, number <laughs> <laughs> Question number four. Apart from jazz, name any other reasons Cammy was sat by Bradford. There's three of them. Oh, um, uh, how you read up Top Top Bloke? Yep. He didn't celebrate the playoff victory enough. Yep. And he didn't... Uh, Ooh. A, there, was a, there was a player. Oh, do you want me to... Josh, I stop? Yep. Check your name out again. Harry Renner, Top Top Bloke. <laughs> yep, here again, again. There was a player that uh, Jeffrey Richmond wanted to sign, or that said that yep. they were going to sign. I'll give you that. John Hendry from Barnsley didn't sign him. That's it. Uh, and uh, finally, the other one. Anyone got any idea? I think the last one's basically costs and results. <laughs> Not a good one, the last one. Um, and finally... Who did, and a little cameism to end it on, that's another Camon cam too, that's a hard word to say. Um, <laughs> who does Chris Kamara describe as a man with a heart as big as a plate? Oh, uh, Harry and a top top bloke. Yep. You're smashing Carlos this. Tevez. Is correct. Jack yes. Harry and a top top bloke is the runaway winner with <sighs> 17 points or something. Right, that was it, guys. Thanks for joining me. Uh, it's, yeah. been, it's been great fun having you all back on the show. Uh, we got a load more books. Uh, we're going to read this series. So next week, we're going to be reading Meza Ozil's Gunning for Greatness. Then after that, we're going to read uh, Neil Redfern's There's Only One Neil Redfern with a special celebrity guest. Please, guys, if you read any of the books uh, or you're going to be reading them with us, get in touch. In fact, get in touch with us about anything to do with the episodes. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter at Footy Book Club. Instagram, we're Football Book Club and we're on Facebook as well. Please do get in touch. Can't wait to see you next week. Uh, any last words for this week, guys? Yeah, what, what are we on the YouTube website? <laughs> Just type in um, football underscore book club dot ABI and you'll probably find us somewhere. <laughs> Cheers, guys. See you next week. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Football Book Club. It featured James Bug, Jack Bernhardt, Natasha Daniels and James Balgen. It was created by James Bug and it was produced by Crowd Network. Thanks to Chris Kamara for writing the book. But I know what you're wondering, where are they all now? Well, Chris Kamara remains a national treasure, and when he's not on Soccer Saturday, he can be found sat in his rocking chair or writing jazz tracks about Phil Thompson. Jeff Stelling is still the Smurf in chief of Soccer Saturday. However, he's since left Countdown, much to the disappointment of grannies nationwide. Gunnosaurus was fired as press secretary at Harrods. Michelle Platini was absolutely devastated when nuts went out of business. And ten years later, Bring on the Wall is still the nation's favourite catchphrase. The theme music, Hills Behind, is the work of Silent Partner and is used in the Creative Commons 4.0 licence. We'll be back next week with Meza Ozil's Gunning for Greatness. Until then, bye-bye. Crowd Network. A place where you belong. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 